You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Tuesday, November the 24th. Thanks for tuning in today, ladies and gentlemen. Much appreciated today and every day. I am your host for the show, the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan, Lucas Smith. I told you yesterday on the show and uh, Friday that we're going to take a little bit more of a realistic look at the Cardinals' options in terms of how to improve the team. But we've got some news to discuss today, some baseball-related, some not. Uh, We will start with the latter of the two. Um, If you follow my Twitter or Instagram page, uh, either Instagram page, or either Twitter page, either mine or Facebook, the shows, you will know that it was reported that Carlos Martinez was taken out of custody by the National Dominican Police in Puerto Rico, Plata. Yeah, massive activity there, which was, you know, that was the first report. But then Derek Gould sent out a tweet that he spoke to the representative of Carlos Martinez and said that the pitcher was not currently out of custody and was not in custody. He may face a fine for violations um, for being a part of the crowd that drew the... the or part of the, the video that drew a crowd in his hometown. And then Carlos Martinez re- released a written statement that I will read to you now uh, on Twitter is where this is found. Uh, I want to directly address the recent reports circulating about me in the media at this time. The rules and regulations established by the Dominican government are there for a reason, to keep us safe and stop the spread of COVID-19 virus. It is appropriate to clarify that no time have I promoted or sponsored the event that took place in the Puerto Plata on Sunday the 22nd, nor is it my intention that my brief participation in the situation could produce unwanted effects. I understand that I should have been more thoughtful about how my actions would affect not only me and those closest to me, but a many others as well. I have made a mistake and fully acknowledge it, and I promise to learn from this experience in the future. At the same time, I want to apologize to the authorities and the population in general. So the reports came out of the arrest, and then it came. Turns out that he wasn't going to be arrested, and you know, everybody was saying, "Hey, this is a reason to let him go," and all these different things. And um, you know, and then there was a tweet sent out by Jeff Jones, I believe. I'm pulling it up now. That um, it kind of said that the Cardinals have the right to tender this contract. Um, yeah, Jeff Jones said MLB, MLB's standard player contract allows for termination of a contract should a player, quote, fail, refuse, or neglect to conform his personal conduct to the standards of good citizenship, end quote, among other things. Um, so, I mean, yes, yeah, so there's a chance that the Cardinals could not tender it. It could look at it. Um, and th- th- this is something that just, you know, Jeff Jones talked about that, you know, I've talked about it before in the past and talked with you some about it a little bit, but. I think the Cardinals are trying to dump his contract, and they they tried to do it for you know two three years now. Um, not a lot of interest in the league, but um, you know th- th- this just gives the Cardinals the option of, of tendering that and releasing Carlos Martinez. Should he be? I mean, probably not. I mean, I understand that we're in a, we're in a pandemic, and I, I I am you know all for the mask regulations and, and things like that. But for him to be, you know. I'm glad he wasn't arrested for it. Um, Find is up to their, you know, their own government and their their rules there, and I'm not going to get into the policies of of, of that at all. But um, let, let's look at the Cardinals' statement of it. St. Louis Cardinals were informed earlier, and th- this was released um, yesterday at around 3:04 p.m. 
the St. Louis Cardinals were informed earlier today, as in Monday, the Cardinals Martinez had participated in a public gathering event this past weekend in Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic. We are currently gathering details from this event, but it is our understanding that Carlos was not arrested, nor are there any pending legal charges against him. Certainly, we would not condone anyone from our organization knowingly violating community laws or health regulations. You know, people are going to use this event, this this story, as a scapegoat to cut him. I think the Cardinals should cut him regardless. I, I mean, yes, I talked about the potential upside of him, but I just I think there comes a point when, just to circle back to baseball a little bit, there comes a point in time when you look so much at the potential upside, it blinds you from looking at the realisticness of this player. And yes, Carlos Martinez has had some incredibly good moments as a Cardinal. Uh, whenever he first came up, he he was very very impressive uh, in the bullpen. He he's been an All Star before, um, but you know, like I said, at the end of the day, there's only so much upside you can look at before you have to look at the results and judge the results. And just to to give you a little bit of those results in 2020, he he pitched in five games, 20 innings. 2.1 whip, 9.9 ERA. He was 0-3 in those games. Um, and he just wasn't effective in 2020. In 2019, he was a little bit better in, in 48 games. This was his first year as a full-time relief pitcher. Uh, 3.17 ERA, 24 saves, so you know, not bad at all. His ERA has always been in the low threes, got up to mid three in 2017, which ironically was one of his two all-star campaign, campaigns Um but ever since 2017, he struggled with injuries, and you just don't really have a place for him. You know, I think he gets a bad rap because his numbers actually, you know, the results overall, yes, he's got a couple of blow-ups, but his results overall aren't terrible. He had three years in a row of 179 and two-thirds innings pitched plus. You know, it was going up all the way up to 2018 when he got hurt. Only started 18 games that year. Um but, you know, this is a two-time All-Star. He's a 16-game winner before, back in 2016. In 2015, he was 14-7. and seven. That was his first All-Star campaign. And in 2017, he had a good, better first half. And, you know, the results are better when you look at the overall numbers. But when you look at, you know, just... Especially when you look at the bullpen of just kind of his blow-ups in the past as a closer in, in the postseason, especially... Uh, it's just not, and it doesn't seem like a culture fit either. I just think that the Cardinals are looking for a reason to dump Martinez. But So that was a story a little bit yesterday. And also one that broke a little bit this morning was Charlie Morton to the Braves. And that is a veteran right-hander signed for one year, $15 million or something like that. And you know the Braves are one of the teams that Adam Wainwright, or that, that was interested in, in Adam Wainwright. Braves were interested in Adam Wainwright. So I think the Charlie Morton signing kind of you know, puts that to bed a little bit, at least a little bit in terms of, um, in terms of them signing Wainwright. I'm, you know, I'm not saying this guarantees Wainwright back to St. Louis or Yachty, but I think that, you know, you, you, only, you only want two <laughs> veteran right-handers that are that are old, up there in age. But so that, that was kind of some news that broke today. But um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the, the current news update, if you will, on the show today. But uh, coming up next, I'll be talking about Jock Peterson and how his... Uh, you know, a little bit more realistic signing that the Cardinals could make as he is a free agent. Um, so something that the Cardinals could look into. So I'll be giving some Jack Peterson talk and kind of talking about how pairing him with O'Neill might not look like what we thought it looked like when you dive into the numbers, but a pairing with O'Neill wouldn't be that bad. So um, 
That will be coming up in just a moment. So let's talk a little bit about Jock Peterson. This is a guy that is coming off, you know, a a bad year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I understand that. Um, In his age 28 season, uh, like I said, bad year. He uh, he hit 190, OPS plus of 84, on base of 285, slugging 397, OPS 681. um, Seven home runs, which is just like Mr. O'Neill, a war of negative .4. And O'Neill is also coming off a pretty bad year, but he had a higher WAR of .6. His OPS Plus was lower at 68, uh, 173 betting average for O'Neill, seven home runs for the right-hander. Uh, but this is an interesting player. This is somebody that Mark Saxon actually brought to my attention uh, when he was on the show a while ago. This is a, a, a platoon option that makes sense in your head, but then when you look at the numbers, it really it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you just look at the numbers because for his career, uh, Tyler O'Neill, his splits aren't as as drastic as you might think. Um, against lefties, his average is like three points higher. He's 229 against left against righties and 232 against uh, lefties. He's got more power against right-handers with a higher slugging percentage and a higher OPS, but his, his on-base percentage is higher against left-handers. But overall, really, Tyler O'Neill in, in um, again, the, the, the sample size is large. 358 plate appearances against right-handers versus 92 against left-handers. But you wouldn't expect to see that drastic. And then when you look at Jock Peterson, who is a left-handed batter, who you do expect to see a little bit of a difference um, in his career, and, and you absolutely do see that. Again, the plate appearances are drastic, 2,000-plus against right-handers and 385 as a left-hander against left-handers. But, I mean, there, there's just no difference. His OPS plus against righties is 110, against lefties is 45. Um, his slash line is is 191, three, or 266, and 310. Um, OPS of 576, so um, not great. Obviously, he, he you know only nine home runs versus 121 versus right hander So when you look at Jack Peterson's perspective, it makes 100% sense to put him in against right-handed pitching and not against left-handed pitching. And you know, like I said, Peterson is coming off a really, really, really bad year. Um, when you when you look at based on his career stats. I mean, I think it's because when you look at Baseball Savant, it, you look at he saw in 2019, he saw 60% fastballs, and it had it, it really been hovering around high 50s, low 60s his entire career. But then in 2020, which was a cultural shift, if you will, um, he saw his off-speed percentage went up from 16 to 24, and his, he only saw 47% fastballs. Um, and, and on those fastballs, which it was his best numbers, he had six of his seven home runs off of fastballs, his um, weighted on base was 345. So, I mean, it was really good against fastballs, which is why he saw less of that. And then Tyler O'Neill is, is pretty similar when you look at what he can and can't hit. His, I mean, his numbers against fastballs are overall the, the better numbers. Uh, breaking pitches is where he gets his real struggles, though. Um, off-speed is a little bit better, so he doesn't see a lot of off-speed. But, you know, he saw 50% breaking fastballs and 42% breaking pitches. Um, breaking pitches like sliders, curves, knuckles, and off-speed are more change-ups, a little bit of splitters, forks, walls, screwballs, things like that. But um, so you know, on paper, 
from Jack Peterson's perspective, it, like I say, it makes sense to put him in against right-handers and sit him against lefties. But you have to wonder what you're losing defensively because Jack Peterson is a good defender. But I think Tyler O'Neill winning the gold glove this most recent season in 2020 helps O'Neill's case. And when you're looking at a, at a contract for Peterson, he is 28 years old, but coming off a down year. But what helps Peterson is his postseason performance in 2020. Um, in 2000, in the 2020 postseason overall, 16 games, Dodgers are 12 and four. He hit 382 slug on base percentage of 432, slugging of 559, OPS of 991. Uh, he hit two home runs, drove in eight in those 16 games, only struck out six times, which is really good. Uh, so the 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 positive offseason, or not offseason, postseason numbers really improve Peterson's chances of getting a little bit of money. Um, but at the same time, with the COVID-19 and everything, you don't know what you're going to get in terms of you know how much are teams willing to spend this offseason. It might be a little bit more stingy than, than than we're used to. Even more stingy in the last offseason when we had, or yeah, last offseason when we, when we had players going into February, March, still unsigned, or 2018 rather, with, with Harper and Machado going still unsigned into spring training. Um, but w- w- with O'Neill, and the reason that I think the Cardinals are kind of ready to, to explore new options with O'Neill, it's because he's almost Randall Grichik, <clears throat> excuse me, almost a Randall Grichik 2.0. Because um, Randall Gritchick really kind of struggled in his in his Cardinal years, if you will, um, couldn't find that consistency, couldn't find consistent power, consistent um, really consistent contact. The power was never really an issue. And in three years, he played sixty-one games in eighteen, sixty games in nineteen, and fifty here in twenty twenty. His his numbers have relatively stayed the same, or if anything, gotten worse. His OPS plus has dropped significantly each year. OPS has dropped every year. Slugging dropped every year. On base has dropped, uh, dropped from last year to this year. Average has took an uptick in 2019. You, you thought you saw that upside with the average up to 260, and but still he struck out four, 53 times in 60 games. He struck out 43 times in 50 games this year. So the reason I think that the Cardinals are kind of ready to move on is that lack of consistency. And I think that Jock Peterson provides a good fit. You know, I think Peterson could be looking for, you know, like I say, a one to two year contract. I think, you know, two years, 17, 18 million dollars might not be a bad deal. And I'd be okay with that deal for St. Louis. Uh, when you're looking at a guy that can give you some extra pop and, you know, at the end of the day, if you do platoon him, then you have power off the bench when he doesn't start. And even when he does start, because O'Neill does have some pop off the bench. And it's, it's just kind of interesting to look at O'Neill's splits against lefties and righties because they're not as drastic as as, as one would have thought. Um, but it, it this is a, a, a more realistic option, I think, than a Brant. Brantley might be realistic, but this is more realistic than, than a Springer or, or a Lindor addition. This might be what the Cardinals are looking for this offseason in, in in producing the outfield talent or in improving the outfield talent. So that's all, all I've got for today's show on Tuesday. Be sure to tune in tomorrow on Locked on Cardinals when I take a look at Tommy LaStella as an option for second base instead of Colton Wong letting him walk in. Again, more realistic than DJ LeMahieu. 
And as always, if any Cardinal news is to pop up between now and then, I will be sure to let you know and talk about it and give my thoughts. So thanks for listening. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow. My name is Lucas Smith. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe, stay well, and have a wonderful day.